We didn't think it would happen, but it finally did, people. We got that sequel to Pokemon Snap, that game that originally came out in March 1999. I remember uh, checking out the blockbusters, the video stores, where not only could you rent the game, you could also print out some, well, snaps. And it was so innovative because in a time that in the Game Boy, it was all about the role-playing elements, the catching Pokemon. Here, you were catching moments. You were catching emotions and different things like that. And it seems like throughout the years, it made so much sense for us to get a brand new game because, you know, you had smartphones. You eventually had things like Pokemon Go. And the evolution, you know, just talking about Pokemon in itself, made all the sense in the world to finally get a sequel. Back in 2019, we actually had a chance to review the original Pokemon Snap on N64. And on this episode, it's a bit of a remix as we're going to be taking you back to that very same episode because there's two different purposes. The first one is so you can actually just check out our full review without the context of the new game. But throughout that conversation, we actually speculate a little bit. We have that wish list, if you will, about what would we love to see in that game. And as a matter of fact, we have another episode that came out in July uh, 2020 where Ryan and Keith in the podcast also talk about that. So just in case, my name is Juan Velas Court. I am from San Juan, Puerto Rico. And before we take you into this very special episode, I want to give you my brief uh, first impressions or just uh, overall thoughts about new Pokemon Snap on the Nintendo Switch as we lead in to this uh, N64 episode. When we first put this in, I actually streamed it on Twitch because I feel like a lot of us grew up with the expectation of this game coming out. And then it did, and you have this very basic game, right? You know, you you go down the rail, you catch the Pokemon, but there's something just so beautiful about its simplicity. And really going in, I did not have a lot of expectations. Some people wanted it to be very broad and expansive. Some people were complaining about the $60 price tag. Personally, I was just happy at the fact that we got anything new like that, especially with the Nintendo Switch, because I don't know about anybody else, but I rarely use my Switch in handheld mode. The only time that I do that is whenever I'm traveling. If I'm on a trip or something, obviously now it's a little bit different, right? The world has changed somewhat, but this game... I feel like if you if we talked about percentages, I played it maybe 20% on screen and the rest has been in handheld mode because maybe I'll go back to a stage and then I'll try to grab a couple of snaps. Something that I appreciate about the new game is that it does have a mission structure, although it does annoy me a little bit that sometimes once you start the mission or once you go into the place, you can't really look back at the mission that you're trying to do. So, hey, maybe you have a, like a Pidgeot and you want him to have a specific facial expression. So you, sh- you throw out an item. But if you're like me, it's very easy to forget sometimes what the objective is. So I found myself kind of canceling out if I was in one particular stage and I had multiple things to do. Another thing that I thought was really unique, and it really did evolve, you know, in comparison to the game on the N64, is the whole concept that there's, I'm not going to call it a a boss fight, but it does have something different, right? Where there are some stages with only one specific Pokemon. Even though, you know, we have all this technology, I guess they didn't hear about like one terabyte SD cards, you're still limited as far as to how many pictures you can take. Although that's good because, let's be real. 
if we all had like a thousand uh, photos that we could take, I don't think that would work out uh, too great. So the fact that we have these stages and you have a limited supply of snaps that you can take with the Pokemon, it really does make you think about, well, what do I do? Do I throw a ball? Uh, am I patient? And there's a lot of repetition. You'll hear us, especially now when we talk about the original game, and I think it's very similar with this one, that these games are a lot about that repetition, going back to the stage time and time again. You want to get a higher score. You want to get a better camera angle. Maybe you overlooked something. And that does get a little bit annoying. I'm not going to lie, because I don't like backtracking in video games. And I think that and uh, this is something very different. You know, now that I played this new one, I didn't mind that as much with the original game because I was playing it with full nostalgic vibes, right? It's a game that I played as a kid. And then in 2019, we went back and re-experienced it. Whereas with this one, I don't have that nostalgic feel. You know, this is a sequel. This is new Pokemon Snap. And in that sense, I do wish it was a little bit more, I'm going to say like an adventure game as opposed to, well... I guess I got to go back because I, I missed this. And it does seem like the hype died down pretty quickly uh, with a new Pokemon Snap. Like, I just went to a Best Buy today, and uh, there's like a whole lot of copies. I, I don't think that these games are meant to sell nearly as good as the, you know, handheld games or Sword and Shield or anything like that. But I'm just thankful. I'm happy at the fact that we got anything like this. I think that the final thing I want to talk about this, if I were to speculate about where do we go from here regarding Pokemon Snap? It will really surprise me if we ever got another one. But these games make DLC so freaking easy because it's all about, well, just add a brand new stage, right? The These games lend, lend themselves so good to that. Or they can have a new stage that's only about, you know, the first 30, 40, 50, or even 151 Pokemon. They can have other stages maybe focused on uh, Omega, you know, Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire, and all that stuff. So they can definitely go a lot of places, but we know Nintendo is a uh, Nintendo, right? I think that's the best way that we can talk about that. And remember that you can be part of the conversation by joining the Discord over at acastofthepast.com slash Discord. And if you enjoy our podcast, you can leave that five-star review on Stitcher, on Apple Podcast, all of that good stuff. And without further ado, my friends, let's go back to the past, but but, but not, not too far into the past. We're going back to 2019 to talk about uh, Pokemon Snap, which came out in 1999. My name is Juan Velas. I am from San Juan, Puerto Rico, and joining me from Boston, Massachusetts, I almost got it right, uh, Mr. Ryan McNulty. So, Ryan, I got a question for you. What did you think of Pokemon Snap when you first heard about this, considering we went from the traditional JRPG formula, all of a sudden we're taking snaps of Pokemon? So, at the time I was in middle, uh, not even middle school, I was in elementary school, and I was way into Pokemon. So if there was anything video game or otherwise related to Pokemon, I wanted to play it. So I didn't even think that far ahead. I was like, okay, there's a new Pokemon game on Nintendo 64. I need to play it. That's not that's not bad to think about. I mean, with the Pokemon craze, anything that came out, yeah, people just had to shell out the money for it. But now from London, Ontario, we have Keith M. Poshik. And Keith, as you have your lovely cat sleeping behind you, which you can technically take a picture of him, and we'll grade no, the, right the cat. For, for, the, uh, for the audio listeners, Keith, send me a picture of the cat. 
We can send it okay. on Twitter, a cast of the past. But I probably about have a size is of them. so so. Yes. Yeah, his cat is <laughs> no, huge. But that's I'm a big say, cat. It's a yeah, real big I'm cat. Saying, if you were to take a picture with the screenshot I see of Keith right now, you know, all, true. No double points because it's not in the middle of the screen. Size, right. so so. I got to talk about uh, that. Yeah, not a lot of my, points. my biggest gripe <laughs> in the game. But before we get to that, Keith, in the grand scheme of Pokemon games, because there's a ton of them out there, where would you rank the uh, Pokemon Snap game? As far as Pokemon games as a whole, honestly, it wouldn't be that high on my list. But if we're talking about Pokemon spinoff games, the things that are uh, outside the realm of the main uh, RPGs, I that's where I would put this pretty high. It's pretty up there, but it just doesn't hang with the traditional Pokemon get your badges, beat the Elite Four style game. So let's actually talk about that for a little bit because... When we talk about the Pokemon, usually we talk about the JRPG games, but there are so many of them. I didn't even know how many we had. So for for context, uh, we have an entire list here. So Ryan, if you could list this out, this is not even all of them. Okay, we got 10 games here. This is like half the list. It's it's kind of insane, actually. Yeah, so this is just spinoff games for Pokemon. We had Hey You Pikachu for N64, the Pokemon trading card game for Game Boy Color, Pokemon Pinball for Game Boy, Pokemon Puzzle League for N64, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon on handheld, uh, Pokemon Ranger uh, on DS, Pokemon Rumble, which was on like the Wii and maybe even Wii U downloadable store, Pokemon Conquest, Detective Pikachu, and most recently, uh, Pokemon Quest, which is on Switch and mobile. So there's just so many. There's even other ones like Pokemon Shuffle and stuff that aren't even on here. So there's more out there. Oh, yeah. There's a ton more. It makes me wonder because... Do you think there are more Pokemon games or there are more Mario games? Because Pokemon has to be one of the the uh, franchises that have produced the most video games. Pokemon might have more. And, and how dare us not even mention the biggest spinoff game, Pokemon Go, right? <laughs> so, right. Yeah, yeah, true. With the, the Mario yeah, thing, I, I think Mario inevitably has to have more, though. Uh, I don't know, though. I don't know. Well, well, actually, would you count, wait a would you count like, if you the, think the Super Mario party, parties and the Mario Karts? Yeah, carts yeah, and I would, party. I would count those in, but I would still think that if you include every single one of them, like if you take all the spinoffs, all the red, blue, yellow through all the generations, it's got to be close. Because for every video game generation, there's usually only one or two Mario games, especially in the uh, the later uh, the later years, like looking into the Wii U. And I'm sure there will be more on the Switch, but right now we have two. But there's like guaranteed three Pokemon games at least for every console generation that it's on like the yeah. game boy alone has six just mainline games total we're not games including or spin-offs. just spin-offs versus spin-offs i was thinking total games when i asked pokemon that question. cheats right with the two versions so that yeah. th- i would i wouldn't count those as their own separate games but if we went spin off so that's what made spin-off. me wonder so that's we'll, what made we'll me wonder our homework on this and eventually uh, figure it out because a bunch of them are going to be coming out but I think the biggest thing that we're kind of overseeing is Pokemon is mainly a, a handheld thing. When you think about all, all the original ones that you played, yet it's interesting because it feels like even with Pokemon Let's Go and and now with the the new one coming out in 2019, 
we still haven't gotten traditional Pokemon games on on a console, right? So when you go to the N64, you had your Pokemon Colosseum, you had Hey You Pikachu, which uh, for those that never played it, that was maybe one of the most expensive N64 games out there because it required and a headset. one of the worst. And one of the worst, <laughs> yeah, because Pikachu would never understand you, at least with me, it, that would not happen. But here we go. Here's one where you can see the Pokemon move around. You can technically you know, see the world in, in a 3D way, but it's not Kanto region. It's not the, the traditional music that we're used to. So before we talk about the gameplay, what did you think about the, the setting and not just the, the photography part, but this is literally an on-rail game where you can at no point move around. What did you guys think about that starting with Ryan? Uh, well, this was really, at least when it, growing up, this was kind of my first look at seeing pokemon kind of in the in like their environments which is what i thought it was cool and i think it the pokemon feel more real in this game than even something like pokemon stadium where they're kind of just in an arena battling each other but in pokemon snap even though you're on rails it, it almost feels like it's like a disney world ride or something like this where you're kind of going down the rapids and everything and but you get to like look to your left and look to your right. You're like, oh, there's the Mankeys and there's the Geodudes. And you can somewhat interact with all of these. Um, it was just cool to see, you know, much before we had the Let's Go games where now we can see Pokemon kind of walking around in the grass. This is kind of like the first taste of that way back in 1999 of just seeing what Pokemon are like in their environment kind of in a in a world you can somewhat interact with because before that it's really just the anime was kind of how you would see what pokemon actually in the wild would really be like mm -hmm. from a video game perspective at least for myself this was my first exposure to pokemon in 3d because in the uh, the game boy games it was just these sprites that i would see like you would see oh here's a cool little dragon that's charizard but in this game it's like oh crap that's a giant charizard at me it made the pokemon come to life in a way that they never had before as far as i'm concerned in their own environments and that's one thing that this game did really well I think that's one of the, the biggest pieces is the, the size of the Pokemon. I think when you go back to the Game Boy games, they, they would always have like Charizard is huge, but in the grand scheme of the games, because the sprites would not be that huge, here they you have that. They all fit into the same box, even yeah. though the perspective's different. It's all in this little box in the top corner of a Game Boy. And one of the other differences is that usually we play as red, blue, ash, you know, whichever combination of them. But with this game, you actually play as... This is the, oh. this is the actual name. The name of the character is Todd Snap. Yep. Yep. Let let, let that sink in. Probably and, the most uh, irrelevant character in all of Pokemon. What do you think Todd Snap's doing these days? Do you think his photography career took a dark turn? He's got to have a pretty strong selfie game, otherwise he's got to be out of business. But he was actually in. The uh, Pokemon animated series, which I completely forgot about. I had oh, to look this up really? a little bit. And uh, yeah, I, I saw him and I'm like, of course, right. I remember seeing a couple of episodes, even though I was reading up that there was uh, a big dispute over his name because in some episodes they called him Todd 
and in others, they called him Snap. So then Nintendo just said, hey, his name is Todd Snap. Huh. <laughs> Justified. I can get wow. away with anything because I, I made the characters. Maybe he's a little bit more relevant than I thought if he actually shows up in the anime. So uh, maybe, I, maybe I should take that statement back. I don't know. D- maybe he does nothing, though. I'm kind of curious. I might have to look up uh, what he actually does in the show. It is nice that they brought a real character uh, from the series to, to this. And the other thing is that this details the the initial 151 Pokemon. However, we do not have all 150 Pokemon. We're, we're like, it's not bad. We got 63 Pokemon. So generally speaking, that's got to be really difficult, right? Because you got to leave some in, you got to leave some out. What did you guys think of the selection? And was there a particular Pokemon that you were happy to see included or uh, pissed off that some were excluded? Now, I think they they did a good job and they included most of the Pokemon, I think, that a lot of people want to see. It's cool that we get all three legendary birds. Um, It's a little disappointing you don't get Mewtwo in the flesh. A little disappointing? A little disappointing. A little disappointing? Just a little. How about the worst idea ever? That's the one Pokemon. Mewtwo's my favorite Pokemon, okay? The fact that they didn't include him. He's like the pinnacle of that first generation, and they and he's a but stupid cave if sign. Sticking yeah. like canonically, I was so how it mad. Is, right, Mewtwo's in a lab, so I guess they could have done a laboratory level. But so what why is he in a cave? But, but, why is his stupid shadow in a cave? Just have Mewtwo there. Yeah, I guess that, I, that could be the I don't unknown know if you can tell. cave. That could be. I the was a little cave. pissed about that. You're, yeah, you're why right. not just make it Cerulean Cave or what was that cave called at the end of? Uh, yeah, Cerulean the unknown City. dungeon or something like oh, that. Was it the unknown cave? Oh, or okay. just it called Cerulean Cave, I think. Yeah. That being said, I like that they have the three birds, but uh, Blastoise missing. It was Blastoise isn't in mm. it, right? I I don't know. I don't think. So. I, I don't even him. think they have War Turtle. I think it's just Squirtle. So I was a I little Squirtle. Squirt. Well, yeah, Charizard is the only. Oh, yeah, that was a really good Squirtle. I think Charizard is the only of the three final evolutions. Yeah, I don't think they have. It's you have Bulbasaur and you have Squirtle. I don't think you have any other form. Only Charmander gets all three stages. Mm -hmm. That's a badass Charizard, though. The the one thing I will give the game credit for is that on on the negative side, and then we'll talk about the positive one. Never forget that this probably cost around $65 when it first came out because usually N64 games, at least here in Puerto Rico, they will cost anywhere from 50 to 95 So, yeah, a little crazy, yeah. but those were N64 games. I paid $100 games. for no mercy. It's a real Jesus. thing. <laughs> Dig diggity dog, man. But with this, let's, let's compare this in terms of length. When you talk about Pokemon Red, Blue, almost literally any other Pokemon game, how long did it usually take you to complete this game, Ryan? Just generally speaking. So replaying it, I was able to beat it in probably less than three hours. But I was also pretty familiar. I knew where all like the secrets were because I, I had replayed this game probably like six or seven years ago. So it was still somewhat fresh in my mind. Uh, that being said, yeah, um, compared to Pokemon, which can usually take on average somewhere between 20 to 30 hours to beat, uh, this is a very, very, very short game. And let me just say, I never bought it as a kid, but this is, in my in my opinion, the ultimate rent 
game like perfect yep. for a rental because you can easily get all you need to get out of this game in a weekend if you paid the ten dollars to get it for seven days that's all you need because if honestly i think if you went out and bought this game compared to other n64 products that were out at the time you it's a bit of a ripoff because yeah playing through it uh it took me about three hours to complete it and given near the end of the game uh, i didn't really remember what to do so that extended my play time a little bit but the fact that you don't even get a hundred the uh, original 150 in this game i don't really think it's a good purchase for 60 65 to 100 dollars not at all yeah so for those who never played it let's uh contextualize this just a little bit more so we do have a couple of levels. So the first one is a beach one. Then we get the tunnel. Pretty self-explanatory. It's like a cave. Then we get a volcano level. That's where you usually get all the fire-type Pokemon. River. I mean, you can imagine. We get some of the some of the water Pokemon. Then we get another cave. Uh, the valley, which has a mix of rock-type Pokemon and a different variations. And then there's a final stage, which I saw that some people already uh, think that the valley is the official final level because... Rainbow Cloud, which is the final, final one, really is unlike any of the other ones. I don't know if you really want to go into spoiler territory for a game that came out in 1999 or it's not. It's Mew. Spoilers, yeah. it's Mew. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's, more, uh, it's more of a boss fight than it is a level because yeah. it only it is one Pokemon there and you're going through mechanics and phases more than going through an actual environment and seeing Pokemon in their habitat. Like it's hit Mew three times with a ball, then it breaks a shield, then you do it again, then you can take a picture. It's a boss fight which I actually like how they did that because even going all the way back to the tunnel level for example yeah th this is an on rails game so at no point you can actually dwell past what they want you to to really do but they do a pretty good job at making you go back to the level but experiencing it differently because uh, when you first begin you pretty much just have the the camera you can move around you can snap the pictures but then you get a fruit and if you throw the piece of fruit, then Pokemon will get closer to you. And then uh, Professor Oak likes some of them photographs, which uh, I think Professor Oak is not a professional photographer or doesn't know the rule of thirds. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying here, but we'll get to that in just a couple <laughs> yeah. of seconds. But I really need to hear your opinion on that. Yes, but we'll please. get there. I, I was dying on the inside playing this as somebody with a production background. It's like, Professor Oak, you're a piece <laughs> of crap, man. But uh, you also get a pester ball. Which is like the worst. You're you're hurting the Pokemon pretty much. You're knocking them out with that. Well, damn it, they're That's not doing wake. the things I need them to do to take a good picture. So you're going to make yeah, them do it. Yeah, it's like, damn you, Pokemon, move around. And then at the end of the game, you get another accessory that basically makes it go a little bit faster because... This Which is a screw perfectionist... them for giving it to you when they give it yeah, to you. Yeah, at the seriously. end. Because guess what? I was okay. mad. At, so... There's different ways throughout each level, you know, as you're taking pictures of the Pokemon that there you can open up a new level by interacting with something like a Pokemon or whatever. So, uh, you know, it might be you throw an apple at an electrode, it blows up some rocks and you can go down a new path. Well, in the valley level, at the very end, there's a Squirtle that you have to hit at the precise angle to go and fly up and hit this manky 
So the manky falls off the side of a rock so that you can hit the manky into a switch, which again, we're abusing the hell out of Pokemon here. And this sounds so, about as fun as it sounds. And then after that is when they give you the speed up. When I had to play through the valley like five times because I kept yep. missing, but it's like- It was four for me. You know, the valley's technically the last real level. Couldn't they just give you the speed up mechanic then? That way, if you screw up the unlocking thing at the end, you could speed all the way to the end of the level and try again. But no, they give it to you immediately after just to throw it in your face. Mm-hmm. And I, God, it would be such a different game if they gave you that just a few upgrades sooner. Because I do think that this game does have a bit of a progression issue where things feel tedious right before you get an upgrade. Just because even though like some pictures you you kind of learn exactly what professor oak is looking for and you start taking pictures that are more beneficial to points than actually making nice pictures once you start to figure that out it does get a little easier but there is a point where you have to like oh, okay i need 3000 more points to get to the next progression thing i can go to four levels i need okay my lapras picture sucks i guess let's go through this entire level and try and get a good lapras picture Hopefully that gets me a thousand. Oh, okay. Well, my Charizard was a little bit off. So all of a sudden I lose 2000 points for it. I guess I'm going to go to the end of this level and just try and take the picture of this Charizard and maybe I'll take a couple of good ones along the way. That would feel so much better if they gave you that damn speed yeah. thing earlier just so you can or even push like, your way through the level. Or even like if you unlock the next level then in the older levels you can use the speed up something like that yeah but again even we're talking about like oh man like that was so tedious in this three hour game you know clearly you they know were what? trying to pad it as much as possible i do i do think that it's still a detriment because it makes those three hours feel like six hours feel like nine hours and not in a positive way because by the end of the or by the end of the game i was sitting there like oh my god can we just get this over with already yeah now Juan, talk to me about the picture grading this. i want to hear the rants so in pokemon snap you have one objective which is to take a photograph of a pokemon and depending on the quality and the presentation and and the structure and if the pokemon is opening his mouth and if he's centered or not or the distance at the end of the stage, you actually get to choose the uh, the photo, right? So if you took uh, four, four uh, photos of a Pikachu, you get to choose that. Then Professor Oak, professional photographer, obviously decides to evaluate it. If the, if the Pokemon is right there in the middle of the photo, like just right smack down, no creativity. He says, hey, excellent photo. The, 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 the most optimal photograph is when the, the individual or the object is in the middle of the screen. Literally, the first thing they teach you in photo, uh, you know, photography class or film school or anything is that is the opposite of what you want to do. You want to get creative because here I have a Pikachu, right? So me being like an, an amateur photographer, I'm trying to actually take good pictures. But my my biggest scrap with the game is that it only detects the Pokemon if they're right in the middle of the screen. So say you took a picture of a Pokemon and he's slightly on the side, he won't be able to do that. So my entire experience consisted of taking purposely bad photos. Really bad photos, Professor Oak. I hate you. At no point, where's, where's your photography license, man? It was nowhere to be found. And I think that was my biggest gripe with the game because 
there's so much potential here that I'm still surprised that we haven't gotten anything for the Wii U or the Switch or, or a phone or even like a 3DS. This game is made for modern technology, but I feel like it's like a, maybe it's because of what you said, Ryan, this is the renter's dream. This is a mm-hmm. game that maybe when you see it at 60 bucks, it's like, eh, if it's at Redbox or if I can rent it or if I can borrow it, or it's like the ultimate game where you buy it and then you trade it in and like five days later or something like that. And maybe that's what really brought it down. But I want, I want you guys to give me your general impressions. Now that we talked about the structure of the game, starting off with Ryan, what did you really think about Pokemon Snap as a whole? I still think it's an, a nice little fun game to play. Like I said, it's perfect for renting. It is absolutely not worth the full retail price that it was. But even then, like I said, even coming back all these years later, I still have I still have fun with it. I really like that there are certain little things you can do throughout a level to get special Pokemon uh, or like Pokemon doing special things like they're in the in the uh, cave level. If you rescue Jigglypuff, then you get to see him like sing at the end and you can get a, a picture. And then um, if you hit a magic carp in the valley level and you get the magic carp to a to a manky, the manky like punches it over a mountain and then you'll see that magic carp later and if you hit it again it will go into the waterfall and then you can get Gyarados as a, as a picture. So there's some cool little secrets that it, it gives some replay value. Uh, you know, you can make Slowpoke um, put his tail in the water if you get him to a right spot and then he becomes a Slowbro when a Shelter bites him. So I, I love all the little like things you can do. So you don't really mind replaying levels because you're coming back with new abilities and things like that. And there's Pokemon you know that you can't get right now until you have all the stuff like that. So um, like I said, is it the greatest Pokemon game? No, it's very short, but you will have a pretty enjoyable time. As someone who's not a photographer, that photo stuff doesn't bother me. Like I said, I know what they expect. It's N64. I don't know how sophisticated they could have made the grading system. You know, <laughs> That's true. How do you, maybe... Def a field, Ryan. Yeah. Def a field. Maybe they'll come up with better AI if they did a modern Pokemon Snap with evaluating photos. Um, but... N64, I don't know how they could have done that, Um, but I think it's fine for what it is. If we were to talk about one thing that this game nailed, it would be atmosphere. Every level does atmosphere so well, and all the Pokemon feel like they belong there. They, They really created a habitat that you would see that Pokemon in. Uh, my favorite level being the volcano, mostly because in the Pokemon games, I gravitate towards fire types. So seeing all of them there, was just like, oh, cool. There's a Charmander. There's a Growlithe. Oh, oh man, a Moltres just flew off in the distance. That's crazy. So they really nail the atmosphere and the cool things that you can go do in the levels. Like I did earlier complain about the fact that you do have to do a lot of backtracking and it does feel a bit uh, tedious, but it is cool once you get over those humps and you get those new items and you can go back and try out different things like getting the pester ball and finally waking up that snow 
Snorlax in the beginning uh, level, being able to uh, finally take that picture or taking the apples and or luring that Pokemon, uh, that Pikachu towards the uh, the charger and uh, then combining it with the flute using the Thundershock and then boom, that's how you get Zapdos. It feels like a little puzzle in there and they sprinkle enough of that in the game through all parts of it that it just feels so rewarding along the way and they nail that perfectly and if they didn't uh artificially increase the pace of it i think it would be a way better game for it even though it is already pretty short yeah i think the biggest problem that i have with the game is the track selection literally because their tracks is very small because if each level was maybe like eight minutes long, but each level takes like a minute and a half to two minutes, give or take, right? And then you use, you know, you go through them a lot and time and time again, you want to get that better picture. Sometimes P- Professor Oak says, hey, you know, I won't reveal the next stage till you catch uh, four more four more Pokemon. And then it's like, where are those Pokemon? So before I go to the complaints, what I love about that is the creativity. Like in the volcano stage, you know, at some point, the Charmeleon if you knock him down and he falls into the, the lava pit, then he evolves into a Charizard. And it's those little things that make you realize, damn, you guys got really creative with a photo game. All that it should really do well is you take a photo and it grades it. But the way that they are able to say like, hey, there's three volcanoes things here. If you throw something to each one, you're going to get a different Pokemon. And each time it may be a different Pokemon. But the fact that you go through these levels so quickly, it becomes a thing of, well, I, I guess I'll go back to the volcano and finish this. I guess I'll go back to this one. But that initial enthusiasm of unlocking a level and really playing it quickly fades away. And I feel like if they either made the levels longer and you have maybe some checkpoints like, okay, do you want to start it off you know, midway yeah, or something like say, that? Yeah, that would be nice. Because I was going to say the, the fact that... Um, there's some replayability to each of them. I actually appreciate that the courses are shorter because if you miss something, it's not very daunting to go back. So if they either added more levels or checkpoints, if they had like Volcano Part 2 or something like that, that might have been better um, because I think the or length... just of- give us that upgrade yeah. sooner and it would have yeah. fixed everything. Well, I think the length of the levels is really good because like I said, if you miss that thing, it's not that... Yeah, I know the speed up thing, but even if they made the levels twice as long you with the speed up thing i still think it would be annoying uh i would say just add more levels or add like warp points or or, or something Mm -hmm. like that uh one more thing that i do want to compliment the game before we um move on is the uh the ability to choose your pictures how i really like how they balanced that system out where you could take a hundred pictures of the same Pokemon, but you can only present one of them per, uh, to Professor Oak at the same or at at one time. There we go. I remembered how to speak English. So from that, it creates a nice little balance of yeah, you can spam the button as much as you can, but you only get to choose your best shot. So it does make you slow down a bit and try and get that perfect shot, especially once you learn how to uh, manipulate the system and get the most points. Even though you're spamming the button, 
there's enough of a little difference that you can go through them at the end of each level and be like, okay, this is the one. This is the shot. It's just the Pokemon's just a little to the left. He's in the center and it's good. And going through those pictures was probably my favorite part of the game uh, in a whole, just this like little recap at the end of each level and being able to go through, okay, I did this. This is my favorite Lapras. So I'm going to present this. Oh, hey, what do you know? It was a hit. And then just going through that cycle over and over again. I do think that they struck a great balance with that. You talked about the pictures, uh, depending on when you on where you lived, you can actually print those out because uh, there is this big machine, which... Uh, did you guys know about this, uh, mm-hmm. you, Ryan and Keith, before mm-hmm. you showed it? Okay, so a certain blockbusters had these physical machines where you could pop in the the actual cartridge of the game. It would load the data, analyze it, because the game actually does keep track of the photos. You know, if you take two photos of a, of a Gyarados, for example, the game asks you, which one do you want to keep? You would go to this kiosk, pop the cartridge in, and I think it was around $3, and you would actually get a printed out version of it, which... For a game that, think about all the little details they poured into a three-hour game. It's just insane because if they put that much effort into something else, this would be so much more memorable. But uh, what did you guys think about the fact that, yeah, you can actually have the pictures for yourself? I did it. I mean, I when I went... Did you really? Yeah. When I returned my game to Blockbuster... I went to the little station, put my game in, and I believe I printed out four. You got these tiny little stickers, and I got four stickers. I think one was Squirtle, one was Mankey. I don't remember the other ones, but I know I had at least four of them because I stuck them in the corners of my old CRT TV that I was playing <laughs> all my video games on. So wow. they, they, and they they were there for a long, basically till I threw that TV out. Those little stickers were in the corner of, of like each corner of the screen. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I at the time, I thought it was the coolest thing. It was kind of like how um, there was like that Game Boy camera had a Game Boy printer they were kind of really crappy little pictures like that, except they were stickers. So you said that this is the ultimate rental game. You would actually get penalized if you bought it, right? Because then you would have to go to a Blockbuster to get a print. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you got to return. It worked perfectly. It's like they knew people were going to rent it because it, it worked I was going to say that. Yeah, you go return it and then you it's can genius. print out your stickers. Yeah, yeah. it's like it, the perfect way to do it. It's almost like they knew exactly what they had and then marketed around it where, yeah, okay, they know it's a short game. Most people are probably going to rent it. But hey, let's like let's let's make a little money on the backside. Right? <laughs> yeah. I would love to own one of those machines now. Something that I feel we got to briefly touch up on. When I think of Pokemon, yeah, there are the graphics, which objectively speaking, this is one of the best looking N64 games, which could factor into the fact that this is a short game because... There's a lot of detail here. If you compare this game, I know that anybody that's watching the YouTube version, first of all, don't forget to subscribe. Uh, it is a, a beautiful looking game, but it is muddy looking now. But take you all the way back to oh, take you all the way back to 1999. This was really solid. On the flip side, the music in Pokemon games is one of the, the one of my most favorite things about it. Yeah, with this game, I felt they went a little generic because at no point that I feel like this had a Pokemon, a Pokemon sound to it. At, at no point, it just felt like here's Pokemon in this world, but we're not doing a lot to sell you on this. Because even the stages themselves, maybe they're kind of inspired by some stuff, but 
I'm surprised that you have Pokemon, but you don't have the Pokemon music. And you could totally take some things from the, from the games and put them in here so it's more authentic. But they didn't do that. What did you guys think about that? Yeah, I, I think with the fact that you're not you're not doing the exciting things that you normally do in a Pokemon game, right? So they went for a more atmospheric soundtrack. And I agree, it's definitely on the generic side. It would have been nice that if you're going into the cave, you hear some of the cave music from the Game Boy games or or the power plant or whatever. But I think that's it might not have fit. It might have been a little too upbeat and too intense where it's like, this is kind of more like you're just slowly working your way through a cave or a tunnel and it, they want it to be more atmospheric. Like I said, um, it's not that it's kind of uninspired, but I see that they probably thought if their music was too um, over the top, it would have been a little bit distracting from what you're trying to do. It's more of a calm, relaxing game. Yeah, I do agree that it is a little uh, generic and uninspired, but I think it actually plays to its benefit in that way because it becomes less about what you're hearing and more about what you're experiencing, what you're seeing. And really, it's more of a visual game than an audio game uh, compared to the mainline RPGs that you're no- that you're used to getting those memorable, uh, memorable themes in. That is very true. That is very true. If there was something you would absolutely take from this game and apply it to something in 2019 whether it would be a, a Pokemon Snap game or maybe like you imagine if the new Pokemon game, a lot of games like uh, Beyond Good and Evil, we're going to bring that one up in one of our future episodes talking about underrated games. That's a game that has action, but it does have photography elements. Could you imagine a world where instead of making Pokemon Snap 2, they actually incorporated it into the upcoming game in 2019? Is there anything from this game did you would like to see maybe added to that one? Well, they I, I know it's a big thing in Pokemon Go now, actually. It is. They Kinda. Have, yeah, they have an AR mode where you can take any Pokemon you own. And because before it was just when you were catching them, you could turn the AR mode on and take a picture wherever they are. Now you can go into your Pokemon uh, inventory and you can kind of pick where you want to place them and you can kind of move around that Pokemon so you can angle them however you want. So if you want to make Charizard look like he's sitting on top of a rock or something, you can place him exactly where you want him to be, have him facing the exact way you want him to face. So that's pretty cool. And I think that definitely took some inspiration from Pokemon Snap. As far as being in in the main series games, I don't really have any desire to see it there i think we could get a lot more out of a, an actual sequel pokemon snap game i think there's you know this game laid the foundation and like we said there was a lot of things they could have improved on and you see that a lot in video game sequels this game really needs a sequel because i think there's so much they could do with it and so many nintendo systems have lent their lent themselves to being great for it. You had Wii with the with the motion remote. You had the the gyroscopic 3DS. You could have easily done something there. Uh, Wii U's gamepad, the Switch's gamepad. It's it's all there. Did you guys play Turok on the N64? I did. Yes. So that actually it it upsets me almost. It came out on the Switch as uh, we record this. It's available and they added uh, gyroscopic control. So it's like 
you took an N64 game and you embedded features into it that make it better. Gee, there's got to be more N64 games that can take advantage of that, right? Yeah, and especially this one. This would be one of the perfect ones. And even though I know Nintendo hasn't really uh, dived into this uh, area yet, but goddamn, wouldn't this be the perfect VR game? Imagine putting on a headset and just going through those tracks, taking pictures. Like, Pokemon Snap is the best possible virtual reality game, and it feels like a crime that they haven't explored it. You have the on-rails aspect of it, too, so you can just be looking around and doing the pictures. Exactly. You don't have to worry about movement or anything like that. You're just on this track looking and trying to take pictures of Pokemon, and you would use the motion controller or the motion uh, hand things that you ha- would have in VR to throw apples or take pictures. It's it's perfect. I don't really want to see it in the mainline games that are coming out, but it's a crime that this has not been done in VR yet. It's an easy cash grab even on the Switch, I think, because let's think about it, right? Uh, with the Let's Go games, you have not only every HD Pokemon model of the original 151 plus like Meltan even, but you have their walking animations in that game. And then with Pokemon Sword and Shield that's coming out, you have, you're going to have basically every single Pokemon's HD model at least. They may not have, yeah. have all the walking animations, but still, you assuming you're not putting all 800, 900, I don't even know how many there's going to be after that game. Oof. That, come on, like you could at least do a Gen 2 or something like that. Nintendo. Or just a mix. Please. Get to it, get to it. Now, as we begin to conclude this episode dedicated to Pokemon Snap, how influential do you guys think this game was in the grand scheme of Pokemon spinoff games? As we mentioned, you know, on, on the N64, we had a Coliseum, which was like a, it was like or a stadium, spin-off, but it was also like an additional, yeah, a stadium, stadium. But we also had a Pokemon Puzzle League. So we got a couple of spinoff games in that console but how important do you think this one was in the grand scheme of, hey, if Pokemon can work with a photo game, we can pretty much put it anywhere with Nobunaga and Pokemon are in the same game in Pokemon Conquest. So just think about that. I mean, I think the game was very influential in just having um, letting people experience what Pokemon in 3D could be. And I, I do believe it played, uh, a, definitely played a part in inspiring aspects of Pokemon Go. And certainly, um, it, you know, maybe we didn't get that same feeling of Pokemon in the world until basically Pokemon Go and Pokemon Let's Go. Um, so what it, that feeling it really gave a lot of people, uh, it, it took a long, long hiatus before we started to see games that really captured that same feeling. Um, but I think when a lot of people experience those games now, uh, they, you know, they kind of look back to Pokemon Snap as a game where they, you know, appreciated what that brought at that time. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why people still say that we need a new Pokemon Snap. Why didn't they ever make a second Pokemon Snap? Like, nobody really talks about 
Pokemon Puzzle League in that way. And even though we've gotten a hundred of them, Stadium has kind of fallen off. But everybody still holds Pokemon Snap in this high regard. And even though it is a bit of a short experience and there are portions and issues with it, I do think that it belongs in the hierarchy of Pokemon in a respectable way. I think that's something that this game did really well. Same thing with Mario. You guys talked about Mario spinoff games is that there is something to taking a character out of a comfort zone. In this case, taking like all of the Pokemon or portion of them to this game, it's surprisingly works. So I think that this more so than future spinoff games is like a wake up call for other companies that make, you know, a thousand Assassin's Creed games, a thousand other games. It's like you can take that and turn it into something else and it can actually work. And if anybody's interested in playing this, uh, fortunately, it is super cheap if you want to get a cartridge. Uh, looking up online, it's anywhere between 10 to uh, $13 uh, in U.S. currency if you guys want to check it out. It was also re-released, I believe, on the Wii, but that that is no longer the Wii there. I believe it's on the Wii U Virtual Shop as well. I can I cannot confirm that one, but uh, regardless, it did get re-releases, so... Some somebody thought that it was interesting enough to where uh, they should put it out again so more people could buy it. So uh, please, uh, everybody, let us know. What do you guys think about Pokemon Snap? If this is your first time hearing or, or seeing it, if you're on the YouTube version, please uh, send us a tweet, a cast of the past, and, and just let us know what you think of it because I think we got to cover some more obscure games. In the grand scheme of AAA Pokemon games, there's a little bit of Snap in the corner, but... Uh, we got some some snap facts. Actually, we have one snap fact here. So <laughs> I hope uh, maybe you guys have some more. But uh, Ryan, take it away with uh, this yeah. one. And uh, I'm getting this from Wikipedia, uh, kind of an extended of what we have on the agenda here. But Pokemon Snap originally started out as a non-Pokemon game called Jack and the Beanstalk. Named after the English fairy tale of the same name, the game was intended for the 64DD, which was going to be a peripheral for the Nintendo 64. Uh, the game was developed by Hal's office on the second floor of Nintendo that they developed um, uh, Super Smash Brothers, and uh, by a development team called Jack and Beans. The name can be seen in the intro of the Pokemon Snap video as well as in the credits. Uh, Jack and the Beanstalk was first revealed in February 1995, a year before the release of N64. Um, and then the game was eventually dropped. There's apparently no screenshots or anything um, of of anything like uh, pictures or whatever of that original version of the game. Um, but it's hmm. interesting how much there's a lot of things you can hear about with that whole 64 DD thing that yeah. was supposed to come out. Like Ocarina of Time was supposed to have an expansion with that. Um, and it's crazy that they were thinking about that before N64 even came out. That does help explain why there's never been another Pokemon Snap game. How they just kind of threw Pokemon in it to salvage the prod or the project more than, Oh, this is supposed to be a Pokemon game. And you see other uh, examples of that in video games as well. Like to go back to the Mario thing, how Mario two was never originally a super Mario game. It was a uh, reskinned like from a game Panic called or something. Uh, yeah. Doki yeah. Doki Panic. And that's probably why we've never seen the style yeah. of Mario two again as well. Banjo Kazooie was the same way. Actually, 
it was called like Project Dream or something, and it, it had something to do with like pirates or whatever. And uh, I'm sure we'll get to that someday. There's a lot of information on that, surprisingly. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to go too far talking about how Laboratory, it's interesting because they made this and Smash, and I mean, Super Smash Brothers started out as a generic fighting game, and then they added in Nintendo characters to sort of sell it to Nintendo, and they bought it. So they, they're they like the salvaging laboratory. It's like, hey, yeah, we're yeah. going to take your generic game or the gener- generic game that we're taking, we're going to take your licenses, put them into our game. And it's going to make millions of dollars. Yeah, they're like, hey, our first, it, we're never going to listen to our first idea. Whatever happens after our first idea <laughs> is so going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Hal's been busy making the same game for the last 20 years. And I don't mean that in a bad way. So that's probably another reason why we haven't seen another snap. Perhaps, perhaps. And uh, something I completely forgot. So I mentioned Beyond Good and Evil as a good example. Two other games, and one I'm, I'm surprised none of us brought it up. Uh, the first one is Africa. Africa is almost Pokemon Snap, but this came out on the PlayStation 3. I remember seeing this in I the store. About I totally forgot about it. I never played it, but it, now that I played Pokemon Snap, maybe this one actually applies the rule of third. So I'm really hoping they got some kind of advisor. And then the that other PS one. PS Triple technology, maybe. PS Triple. It's nice. And then uh, the other one is Dead Rising. Dead Rising, we forget, yeah, that there's zombies, but yeah. you're a photographer Ugh. and you're getting points and things. Damn you, Dead Rising. That's a good one to maybe revisit down the line. Because that was just like, Dead Rising was, we came up with this great concept and then we're going to shoehorn in this bullshit stuff, like yeah. photos and stuff. It's like, <laughs> no, we just want to be locked in a mall and fighting zombies. Don't yeah. add any other crap. I, I've played a couple of Dead Rising God, the games. The bosses They're... were so unfair in that game. Oh, oh the psychopaths yes. were the worst. Yeah. Ugh. Which, speaking of everybody watching and listening, please don't be afraid to send us an email at castofthepast at gmail.com. If you have uh, any suggestions, ideas, remember we put out a new episode every Sunday. Uh, some of them, this one is a little bit more on the shorter side because think about the fact that this episode is almost one third of Pokemon <laughs> Snap. Yeah. Just think about that for a second, okay? Yeah. But we put out some shorter episodes. We got the Off the Rail episodes. If you want to hear Ryan talk about Captain Marvel, if you want to hear us speculate about what would a new Batman look like, who would play, or what type of Batman would we like to see. And uh, if you want to laugh at Keith for a little while, because we recorded that right after he came home from the dentist, well, yeah, yeah that is available. That was fun. And if you're a, entertained by that. One of the worst that, experiences of my life. <laughs> yeah. And if you duck that, you can leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. But uh, in case you're curious, hey, you guys talked about Pokemon Snap. Like, what else is on the line now? Mr. McNulty, you're not going to talk. I'm going to bring this over to Keith. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, I'm getting Collusion. crazy. Keith, what are we going to talk about on a cast of the past? Well, coming up on March 31st, we're going to talk about some of our favorite underrated video games, maybe games that have been lost to time that you don't really talk about anymore or that were overlooked when they first came out. Uh, we picked some of our favorites and we're going to go over them. 
Then well, moving not, on not to April. Not just that, though. Not just that. Uh, uh, Ryan. See, I'm so used to saying, hearing Ryan talk about this. I was this, getting but... to that. I was getting yeah. to that. There, oh, oh, there's sorry, a, there's a journey here. There's a journey here. Uh-huh. So before we get to that, first we need to get to April 7th, where we'll be covering Fargo. And I'm going to lean on Ryan on this one because I don't actually know anything you about Fargo. You can't even do your job, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, Ryan, see, what is Fargo? See, the thing is, Fargo, I looked up some big you know highly regarded movies from the 90s that i have not seen before and the only thing i know about fargo is that it has something to do with like wisconsin like wisconsin or like minnesota or somewhere that area and i've never would seen it be it. fargo north dakota is it because fargo, that's north a place. oh my god all right <laughs> I got we're, no we're idea. We're putting it to the test here. Okay, so none of us have seen Fargo. We're all going into this 1996 blind. 1996 and... black comedy crime film. And where does it take place? It's probably North Dakota. It's probably North Dakota. Because there's literally meanwhile. a place but, there but called Fargo. this is the Fargo. exact reason I picked it. To tell you on this, I know so little of this movie, yet there's a TV series out that's kind of in conjunction with it. So yeah. I was like, okay, I don't think any of us have seen this movie, clearly, as you can tell. So let's all watch it. Here's a movie we know pretty much nothing about, except that it came out in the 90s and it's critically acclaimed. So, this is the ultimate just going in blind to uh, a highly regarded movie. And so, that'll about, be fun. Something about that Underrated Games episode, uh, it's going to be a half and half conversation, not talking about the dairy part, but uh, the uh, first part is going to be some of the... Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> People, we're at the end of the show, so just, just stick yeah. on, stick along for the, the last couple of minutes. But and you're about uh, to steal my thunder. No, but, but you go for, ahead. You forgot the second part, Keith. We're no, I wasn't. We've never I wasn't. I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about how on April twenty first we're going to be talking about a game that we discuss in the underrated video games portion. When we'll be putting out a poll at the end of that episode, where you'll get to vote on a few games. We're gonna look at it. We're gonna pick the winner. We're gonna play it on April twenty first. Actually, there. we're not gonna. We're not gonna pick the winner. That's yeah. The people out in listener land exactly. or viewer land are going to yeah. pick the winner of the poll from the underrated video game <laughs> Ryan, episode on March thirty first. Yeah, I'm punch in the face. Okay, so <laughs> I would like to mention on that poll, none of us have completed the games that we are putting up on the poll. So these are underrated games that none of us have ever completed. We got four options, and I think it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty interesting to see what is revealed. Like one of them, literally went up on the poll. Like I think two minutes before we we hit the record button, just because we all kind of universally went, "Hey, yeah, that that's a game we've never played, and we probably <laughs> should." So, uh, that, so those underrated, we are didn't spawn. even think of it. Exactly the the ultimate <laughs> underrated. So we're we talking about that on another exciting episode of a cast to the past okay friends this is a uh, current one this is 2021 juan now talking to everybody i really hope that you enjoyed the conversation and it, it's really interesting right we have this podcast where we truly do choose these specific games that we have some kind of like a like a nostalgic vibe you know with this you know ryan loves the the silent hill games keith loves the resident evil games but sometimes we'll go to something like dino crisis where maybe only one of us 
has a really, any kind of attachment, right? Because I had never played that. Here, it's something that the three of us, I mean, we were obsessed with Pokemon. Who wasn't, right? If you grew up in the 90s, if you were a teen during the 90s, even if you didn't like Pokemon, you knew most of them, or at least you checked out Cartoon Network and, and recognized the theme song. And it's very interesting because I really did not think they would ever release a sequel, Part of the reason that we chose to cover Pokemon Snap was very different to like uh, when we reviewed uh, A Link to the Past or anything like that, where we know there's a lot more out there. The purpose of this episode, really like a like a behind the scenes thing, was more of like, well, they're never going to make a new one. It'd be kind of cool to speculate about what that would even look like, because even by 2019, you know, the Switch had already been out for a couple of years. Nintendo had already been doing mobile gaming, so it's not like, hey, you know, you have Pokemon Go that's essentially a fragment. It's not the same, but it is a fragment of Pokemon Go. You have Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee that removed a lot of the, the fighting, some of the battle elements. And you're like, man, if in 2019 they already had not done that, it's very probable that they were never going to. So it is interesting, and it does bring up the conversation as to which other older games, right, should deserve a sequel or something like that. I think that if you were to talk about that with any older Nintendo IP, F-Zero definitely comes up. F-Zero is not a, a series that I was personally, you know, attached to. As a matter of fact, I think the first time I played the F-Zero game on, on Super Nintendo was on the uh, Super Nintendo Mini, as a matter of fact. And then a couple of years ago, I went to Chicago with my wife and we checked out, we went to the Galloping Ghost Arcade. If you haven't gone there, it's freaking awesome. And they have a Japanese F-Zero, I think it's F-Zero GX machine, which is based on the GameCube game. That's freaking awesome because you can move, you can do all of that stuff. And I do think that's a franchise worth revisiting. And then obviously, you know, Metroid, we're going to be getting that, that new game, I, I think, at some point. But there's also speculation about that trilogy. We love having these hypothetical conversations, right, about remakes, remasters. So if you enjoyed this episode, please consider checking out the Discord over at acastofthepast.com slash Discord. And if you enjoyed this conversation, and it's very interesting because I think with any podcast, the more you grow, the more comfortable you feel. I'm not going to lie and say that some of the first episodes are still very cringy. You know, we have been podcasting before this for a very long time. We had done a wrestling podcast for about uh, four years. You know, I've been involved in other podcasts. And even then, it's like every episode you grow. So when you kind of go back, it's like, ooh, man, could we could we re-review this game or movie? Because now we think about things very differently. But that's part of the, the whole process, right? Don't forget, we also do have a Twitter. You know, we do them tweets at uh, twitter.com slash past. And uh, every podcast out there always talks about the five-star reviews. That's not just a, a branding thing. That truly is the best way to support, especially now in, in the during and post-pandemic world. There are so many podcasts out there that it's sometimes very hard to just be able to, to be seen or heard by new people. So if you can drop that five-star review, uh, be honest, you know, share your favorite episode. You know, uh, this, this is the first one that I checked out with the podcast and that kept me glued on. We'll make sure to talk about that on a future episode. So up until next time, thank you for watching and listening. And we will be back with another exciting episode of a cast. Oh crap, I'm, I'm by myself. I'm not used to doing this solo. A cast to the past. Thanks for listening, everybody. 